As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey folks, it's another one of those weeks where we just didn't want to bother to publish a new Pretty Much Pop episode, and so instead we are unveiling what was last week put behind our paywall. It is the after talk to our episode 92 with Matt Young. We just talked about collectibles with him. I'm a fan of his podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern, which you can find at hellofromthemagictavern.com. So there's some talk about that. And then we can do a normal after show thing. We do one of these after every single show. Sometimes the guest sticks around, sometimes not. Sometimes they're there for part of the time. In any case, we talk about what else we're consuming, do some little short takes on things. You can get all of these by making a pledge of any amount per month at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. But this one is on us. If you want to leave your recording running, can we do some after show stuff for a few minutes? Do you have so I can? Yeah, I'm great. I'm good. Ask I'm good you for time. Magic Tavern questions. Oh yeah, hit me, hit me up. This is where the groupy portion of the. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> so I noticed you traveled back in in time to 1989 recently, and and Usador had to get a job at an insurance company. Uh huh. I wonder how that interview would have gone. Would it have gone a little something like this? I see that you're trying to apply for. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make you actually do some improv here. I don't want to make Brian and Erica do improv, actually. I'm, I'm always any click that I'm not yet a part of. I don't know. I wish I had taken improv classes. So I really, I don't know. It was the, uh, a- Annie Donna, the three person, Annie Donna. I was just listening to that where, where you guys just reduced yourselves to, you just didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, it, was it was madness. So, so much yes anding. Yeah. That was a really fun episode. I, I think like the one of the cool things about the format and I give Arnie a lot of credit for the format stuff, especially like he was really smart about like, I don't want us to break out a character and do credits. He didn't want me at the end of the episode to be like, oh, and you throw the wizard is Matt Young and I am doing the improvised Shakespeare show. So he's like, well, why don't we come up with a story reason for that? So we had Tim as the mysterious man do the credits. And then he can also be this unreliable narrator who's trying to get you to not believe the show is real. And like, that was a cool, fun thing. So one of the, but but what I was trying to say originally was like, I think the show works really well as a chat format show where we can have on, you know, super experienced, super funny improvisers who like want to play along and just want to like, we'll say yes to everything and we'll go down some crazy, insane pathways. And then we can have people on who are like authors and artists and other types of people who aren't necessarily versed in improv, but the three of us, we take the responsibility of keeping the show alive and keeping it moving forward and making everyone look good. At the beginning of the the episodes, we usually tell people like, this is your episode. Don't worry about breaking the world. Our job is to take care of the world. Invariably, you will say something wrong. And half the fun of the show is justifying why you just said 
Cuisinart, you know, or whatever, you know, earth thing you wouldn't know about. So I think it's a little bit fail safe in a way, as long as we're kind of paying attention. But the anti Donna thing was super fun. The fact that Mark came in with wanting to be, he's like, can I be a dish rag with legs? And we're like, yeah, fuck, great. Uh, that's insane, but all right, let's do it. And it was super funny and just so weird. And it's like so freeing to do an episode where like people just like aren't worried about the show. <laughs> that sounds like, you know, like people come in and they're like, sometimes they're like, well, I don't know that much about the show and I'm kind of nervous and I don't want to ruin the thing. And it's like, you can't ruin the thing. Everything is a new layer that we're adding and you guys are just adding something to it. So yeah, but that one is nutso. The last one I just got up to this morning was the blacksmith one, which uh, your guest on that sounded like. Oh, Lily Sullivan. Is she, is she an experienced improver? She is. She's, okay. she's from Chicago and, and uh, is out in LA now. She's so funny. She would just throw out something weird. I wasn't sure if she was an experienced improver because it was so just, I'm going to throw out a nugget that doesn't make any sense. And you guys just have to run with this. <laughs> I think that that is a thing that kind of experienced improvisers like to do to each other. Like it's kind of fun to eventually just kind of like throw a wrench into the works and be like, kind of like I was saying before, how are we going to work this out? How are we going to justify this? How are we going to play this game? And she's been on Comedy Bang Bang quite a bit too, and she just always brings something very strange and unique to the forefront. I think she's really funny. She, yeah, it's a very different style than somebody who's like, you know, like Chris Rathjen, who I did improvise Star Trek with for a bunch of years, and he plays Baron Ragoon, and he's one of our editors. He very much is like steeped in the lore and knows the lore. He's like a guy who like loves Doctor Who, but loved Doctor Who like all the way back to the 70s and like knows everything about it. He's just like a. All right. I'm, he, I'm putting him down stuff. as our Doctor Who episode guest. Oh, yeah. He, be, I, I need to get get him. He, <laughs> he knows it all. He knows it all. And if I have a question about Doctor Who, which comes up way too often, I go to Chris and he's like, oh, well, actually, in uh, 1982, they decided to do that for the first time. Do you know very many, like, I'm going to say something sexist because I'm the woman here and I'm going to say something that feels sexist. Do you know very many women who remember specifics about things like old episodes of Doctor Who in a way that men do? Because in my life, most of my female friends and myself included don't really remember quotes from a series that we've seen maybe once. But I know so many men who are quoters and just have the brain to rattle off this kind of trivia. We're about to find out if Matt is part of the science fiction fandom convention, because I have an answer to this. There definitely exist those people who, from my experience of the things I've created, come to me and tell me things that they did that they loved. And I'm like, that was three years ago. I don't fucking remember. I think there is a bit of a gender bias in that and that men are sometimes encouraged to do that. And women are unfortunately sometimes discouraged to be that way and to like find passion in a thing and share that passion in a way that men are encouraged to do sometimes. That is a real problem in our society and all across a lot of ways. But I think it's changing, too, because I think there are so many like cool, like female led D&D podcasts now. And you see fandom at especially like a podcasting specific event are very much like young women who are like into these stories that are sort of like, you know, serial narratives or even like McElroy stuff. And I think it's shifting. I went to Star Wars Celebration when it was here in Chicago because it's not usually here. And I was like, oh, well, it's not usually here. Let's go to that. And I think because of the sequel trilogy, a lot of young women saw Ray and were like, that's for me. 
And some young men were there dressed as Ray. And I was like, fucking A, good for you, man. This is yeah. awesome. I love it. They didn't really land that one, but what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> Erica, I'm going to say something more offensive than what you said. Do it. And that is, I think your friends are too high functioning. That's your problem. <laughs> or you've just never been to a world con. Because there are men and women out there who are very much as you describe. But I think it's just more accepted among people who you might expect at your average backyard barbecue for the guys to be quoting things. I agree with that. I think it's part of that encouragement, discouragement thing I'm talking about of like men are encouraged to like fucking show off and like spout off about something that they barely know about. Whereas women will be scolded much more quickly because our society sucks at that. I mean, that's true. Like even like if you look at job interviews, women typically don't apply for something unless they are absolutely qualified in every way. But men will just be like, hey, why, why not? Right. And I feel like there's certainly a problem with that in the sense that like unqualified men can be promoted in that sense. But I also think women should just be like, well, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> like, why not me? Like the job I have now that I've had for many years, I probably wasn't really fully qualified for. I had some innate ability to do it, but I didn't really know the whole thing and I didn't really know the industry. But I was like, well, I'm going to try. And I showed up and I worked hard once I got there and I got the job. And now I'm very good at it. And I think that's just like, it's getting people over that hump of like, don't wait for permission. Don't wait until like somebody begs you to do it. Like, just go try. And I'm definitely getting more like that. It's just, it's funny because like I, my husband's been on a few of these episodes. So these guys know he is a super nerd and he remembers he has a mind like a steel trap. And of course, because he's like that, he attracts other friends like that. And I also am not a guy like that. Like, I like a lot of nerdy things and I remember a fair amount about them, but I don't get into the minutia. And the things that resonate to me are the things I was kind of talking about in the episode. Like, I love those emotional, big, yeah. like fucking epic moments. Like, I don't know everything about Doctor Who, but the two episodes, Heaven Sent and Hell Sent, or Heaven, Hell Bent and Heaven Sent, like they're Peter Capaldi episodes are like fucking epic and they're amazing. And they're like, oh my God, this is like life and like people and everything matters and like friendship and love and hate. And you're like, fuck yes, I love it. And that's the stuff that I get turned on by in like nerdy stuff. I'll like dig into those and I'll watch them like six times in a row because I'll be like something in this is just clicking with me. But then I don't remember the name of whatever alien race looks like a potato. Like I just that's gone. <laughs> Erica, I didn't want to out, out you during the, the episode. But, you know, often when we talk about these extra nerdy stuff, you you snitch on Drew. So in the collecting <laughs> area, have there been purchases that have come from Drew where you are like, I can't believe that we fucking have this thing now in our lives? Oh, absolutely. Like, I was talking to him a little bit about this, this episode. And he's like, yeah, I just, I like my stuff. I can't help it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I like to have a thing that I can touch and hold on to. And he's like, even like, look at my CD collection. We don't even own a CD player anymore, but I don't want to get rid of any of these. Every time we take a move, we have all these books that I'm like, why are you even keeping? They're heavy. We have a one bedroom apartment. What are we doing? But you know what? Like, in my relationship, so Drew and I have been together for a very long time. So like 17 years or something, right? Since it you were three? Since three years old. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, his stuff makes him happy. And so if it makes him happy, then I'm fine with it as long as it doesn't get too out of control. And he does do a fair amount of editing and he has gotten way better with like 
the comics, he started getting these lovely long boxes that also kind of act as a display for a certain comic, but then like it holds more. I'm fine with that. I just don't want it looking like we live in a hoarder's house. Yeah, I, that's always the trick. As I amass new things, like I set them up and they look very nice and then I get more things and they start to like get cluttered. And like right now, I'm I'm honestly a bit cluttered. Also, my a couple of years ago, my dad passed away and I have a lot of his stuff around still. So I'm like, I'm feeling very cluttered and very much. I took some time off recently and I did a lot of work to like kind of declutter and like I actually sold some of my dad's stuff on eBay and like I'm just trying to like kind of feel that spring cleaning vibe. Any suspicious collections that you had to get rid of? A cigarette butt collection? Any Uh, uh, old coins? (laughs) My dad and I were very different and very the same at the same time. He was super into NASCAR, which I just cannot bring myself (laughs) to even begin to give a shit about. He had a bunch of NASCAR like memorabilia stuff, like these signed photos and things. I think they're all like prints and none of it's worth anything. And I've kind of struggled with like what to do with those because like they are kind of collect but they're also kind of worthless and I don't want them, but I also don't want to be unsentimental about all of his things. So I've sold off a lot of his stuff that he like, he also was like super into computers. He like built his own computers and like he bought like a VR headset before anyone else I know. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm going to sell this 10 year old VR headset now for like 40 bucks on eBay or something. That's fine. I don't care about that. He's probably the reason I started collecting Star Wars because like it came out when I was so young. I remember being four or five and at Christmas one year, I opened like a carrying case of Star Wars figures. I had like five of the figures in there. It was like Han Solo and Luke and Darth Vader and Leia, maybe a core team of people. And then I opened another box and it's an X-Wing fighter. And I'd never seen the movie. I didn't know what this was. My parents had me when they were very young. So my dad was probably at this point, 22 or 23, you know, like he's a young guy. And he's like, this is Luke Skywalker. And he goes to the X-Wing fighter and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and it flies around and blah, blah, blah. And he played fight that Darth Vader. And he was so excited about it that I got excited about it. And Star Trek was a big thing that we shared growing up. Like I grew up next gen and he was like original series. And we would like have a little like pseudo fight about that. So a lot of that stuff comes from him too. Where are you on Discovery? I only watched season one and I got rid of my subscription for a while and then I got it again to watch Picard and I haven't gone back to Discovery, but I want to. And Three dur- is good. Is Three it really? is really good. See, during right, court- Bri? And there's some parts of two that are really good and some part that are okay. yeah. nonsense. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard that it's like improving and I, it's funny, during quarantine, my girlfriend had never seen Deep Space Nine so we watched Deep Space Nine and she was like, in, she was obsessed with it and it was also like, the Bell Riots happen in that and all the stuff with where he's the writer, Bernie, who like gets blacklisted from the science fiction book and it's like, oh shit, this stuff is really relevant. Man, I've never seen Deep Space Nine. What a good show. Oh, my God. Maybe I should. Maybe yeah. I should do it. I'm still uh, about a season and a half shy of the end of that. But I've been spending time with that a lot. It's my favorite Star Trek series now. It wasn't when it came out and I was wrong. And and it, and, it, <laughs> and I will admit that I was one of the people who was like, oh, it's on Space Station. Who cares? Blah, 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 it's boring. And the first couple seasons are very hit and miss. And then... They switch it into high gear and like five of the seven seasons are like just outstanding and so different and poignant. There are just moments where you're like, oh, God, that's just hitting me like a ton of bricks. 
one of the things I was mentioning is there's a point where because Star Trek bullshit, space magic, they go back in time and it's the early 21st century and they're in the middle of a race riot, essentially. And you're like, oh, shit, this is fucked up and really kind of relevant. Mm -hmm. And Avery Brooks is incredible. Like, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Well, it's always nice to see what what they extrapolate from the 90s. People will be dressed like yeah. know, 20 years from then. <laughs> it's just going to be like the 90s, but more so. Yeah. It's just going to keep going that way. Yeah, the early 21st century computers are very 90s computers. <laughs> Should we, we we talk about quickly what we're all consuming? Anything? Sure. Brian, do you want to start us? So Susanna Clark wrote the novel Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which was made into I a love- TV show that novel. And if that was too long for someone to get through, and I admit I made it about 40% of the way through and I just couldn't keep getting the audiobook out. She did write another book recently called Piranesi, which is not in that world. And it's about a guy in a never ending mansion where the basement floods and the ground floor is full of statues and the top floor is full of birds. And it is kind of modern fantasy. And she is so talented cool. and it's, it's short and it's read by Chidwell. Thank you. And he does a beautiful performance and it's not that long. So she hasn't written all that much. She's a great writer. Say it again. What, who is it? Uh, her name is Susanna Clark and the book is Piranesi. How do you spell that? Was that was a P-I-R-A-N-E-S-I. And that was the name of a, I think an Italian artist who drew pictures of these cavernous halls full of statues and high ceilings. So in any case, that's a big recommend. And I do recommend the audiobook in particular because I was so taken by it. I loved reading Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, but it took me forever to read it because there are so many footnotes, but the footnotes are so interesting, but it's also just like the most, you're like, okay, I got to read this footnote now. Oh God, now I got to get back to the main story. Now I got to read this like three page long footnote. And you're like, but it's such a cool way to tell a story. Like, it's really kind of unlike anything else. Yeah, this is one I'm going to go back to, but I'm going to try it in print instead. I'm not going to retry it in audio. Yeah, that So what sense. are you consuming now, Matt? Do you have anything to share with the, with the listeners here? I've been very steeped in video games lately, and I started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a Japanese role-playing game. Mm-hmm. My husband was really into that. It's really strange. It's just very slightly Harry Potter-ish, but not really. I know there's some sort of like time jump in it, and I'm almost to the point where I jump forward in time, and I'm really excited to find out how everything goes wrong when everyone graduates from the school or whatever. It's weird. Like, there's a battle system, but there's also just like very long scenes between these characters, and there's like a whole thing called a support system where it's just these long scenes, and some of them are very weird, and some of them are very funny and others are just like actually kind of poignant Uh, it's actually really an interesting way to think about interactive media and then in terms of like watching stuff i recently finally finished crazy ex-girlfriend which rachel bloom has been on magic tavern and she's really great and talented and wonderful i hadn't finished the series when she was on the show and it's beautiful like i the name had me so turned off at first and then i met her and i was like oh no this is great and she's great and the the show is 
one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. It's really beautiful and has like such a cool, like, I think the name actually belies what it is. I think some people just like, I'm not watching a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And she, it's so honest and true. And she, I actually read her book recently too, or listened to it on audio. And she's a very brave artist who I have a ton of respect for. Wow. And did you feel guilty when she came on and you weren't caught up? No, I finally had to get over that. Like, there's just no way for me to keep up with everyone's everything. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't, I'm not caught up with the show. And I'm like, I just don't care. <laughs> like, I don't need to know that you aren't caught up. Just be like, hey, I like the show or I've never heard the show. And I'll tell you what it is. It's not important that everyone know everything I've said. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. It's nice when people are like interested in it and know a lot about it. And it's fine when people don't too. Like I would never belittle or be upset with someone. So I think it's funny that people apologize for that. Well, I take it personally offense. Just if if people haven't experienced all 267 episodes (laughs) of my philosophy podcast and almost a hundred of this plus uh, over a hundred of the music one, I just get really testy about that. Yeah, that's that's a good way to be. It'll bring you a lot of joy too. (laughs) Erica, did you have anything to report? You know, I don't have that much this week because like I said, I was sick. And so I was just trying to not be miserable for most of the week, which means also we went back and watched some Marvel movies because at this point it's it's like a salve for my weary soul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are you still watching the Falcon, Falcon and the Winter, and Soldier? Winter Soldier? Yeah, it's just as problematic as the name is. We just finished the episode last night and uh, there's some things about it I absolutely loved and I think it's also a, a mess. I've only seen like three episodes of it. I want to like it <laughs> and I I like Anthony Mackie so much. Oh, yeah. He's so good. And I'm like, why isn't this show just about him? (laughs) Like, just make a show about his character. And I'd be so much more into this. I think it's trying to be too many things. It absolutely is. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. And at the end, we were just having a conversation. Why wasn't this called The Falcon? It just should have been called that. And it's it's not that I don't love The Winter Soldier, but change the scope a little bit. But still grateful that I got to watch another MCU property. And then I just found out for anybody who's a Dexter fan, I had never, you know, it was one of those things I came to very late. I just found this year that I enjoyed it. It's also one of those, Brian, which we love where we can like, you know, I can play the Switch and watch Dexter at the same time because it doesn't really require that much of my brain space. They had it on Netflix for a while. It got taken off and I assumed it was because they were having a new season coming up soon. But I guess Prime got on it. So now you can watch all of the seasons on Prime. So... New home for Dexter. I Excellent. Actually, I watched that intermittently when Arnie and I were still roommates <laughs> a long time ago. So I've never actually sat down and watched it all the way through. I should go back to that. I've been told already, skip the Julius style season and it doesn't have much to do with the, <laughs> the I like her enough story. that I poor, like Poor that. Julia Stiles, though. I like that I, arc uh, just because I like her. I don't know. <laughs> I've never really gotten it, but like, it's fine. Like, it's a nice little show. And I, and I am interested to see what they do with what would it be called a revival season? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mac. I want to just use my remaining time to actually get practical and concrete about what you were saying earlier, Erica, about uh, women applying for jobs. And, and I know you don't think that you are uh, good at improv and do not want to uh, apply to be on Magic Tavern, but. She has lit up the Broadway stage as a lead. 
shining with her light. There's no bushels around, no bushels. <laughs> so I don't know. I would urge you to, to, to get on one of Matt's friends shows, if not actually Matt's show, but. <laughs> uh, I have great respect for those people who are good at improv. And I think it's something I could probably do better now that I care less about what people think so much. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that helps a lot. <laughs> But it, yeah, it has been difficult. Once that. you don't give a shit. You have to, like, once again, like, Matt, you've touched on this a few times. If it doesn't bring you joy, why do it, right? So you've said something to that effect. And it's, so far, improv has not brought me anything except nerves. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I think, and in that case, yeah, why bother? But also, I, I like to be an encourager and, like, I feel like especially if you're an actor, if you have performance experience, and like I said, we've had authors and artists and all kinds of people on the show. If you've got acting experience, though, I think actors who are afraid of improv only frustrate me in the sense that I want to encourage them and be like, this is the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. You just don't have a script. All you have to do is listen and then say whatever bullshit comes out of your mouth next. And it is that thing about not worrying and just trusting that the other people are going to do it. But that can be very tricky. And you have to be in the right environment with the right people who you actually do trust and like feel safe. And then you can be like, oh, well, in this environment, these people, I feel safe. And so some people take a class and they're happen to be in the class with the right group of people and like. They feel great about it. And then other people are in a class with a bunch of people they don't like and feel weird around and don't know well enough. And it's not a great experience. So if it is a thing anyone wants to ever pursue, not just you, Erica, I will always say, like, just find the group of people that that you like and work with them and grow with them. I was very lucky that I got thrown into a team at I.O. when I.O. was a thing and teams were a thing with a bunch of people who I just by pure chance really just like were great. I randomly got Arnie was in this team randomly got put together with Arnie and he's been one of my best friends for 20 years now because of that. I think really what this boils down to Matt is that Mark needs to take a class from one of you so that he can have a guest <laughs> spot on your show. I wouldn't be so pushy as to push myself forward. I would never do that. <laughs> what? I would not. You've just been waiting for us to do it for I you. Would I would try too hard on the show. Well, Adel's the teacher, not me. I'm I'm just the old curmudgeon who does everything else. Mark, you got to just start your own podcast and it's going to be another podcast and you can do improv philosophy. <laughs> Self-aware, awful improv. How about that? Just to make it <laughs> so hey, there's no... Don't, don't steal our show. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. All right. We got to close this down. Thanks, supporters. Goodbye, supporters. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye, supporters. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 